Welcome to the Film Crew Love Podcast. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Film Crew Love Podcast, the love for film labor, the labor of film love. I am your host, M. Hotep, joined today by cinematographer extraordinaire Richard VLA. Say hello, Richard. Hey, hey, how are you? Excellent, man. Uh, Richard was, uh, uh, he's a cinematographer that was brought to my attention by a dear friend of mine, uh, Jason Hightower. Uh, Jason is a DGA member in New York City, uh, hired brother. And uh, Richard is also a hired brother who came out of Howard in 06, right, Richard? Yep, 2006. Absolutely. Uh, Richard's credits currently include the recently released uh, Star's original show, P-Valley. He's worked uh, on a number of Tyler Perry projects, and he's worked on The Quad, American Soul, uh, Acrimony, Medea's Halloween, and uh, what uh, what were you on when the um, coronavirus shutdown began, brother? Were you on anything? No, actually, I was um, I was taking a little bit of time off to just you know I was planning on doing some traveling, um, yeah. and then you know once coronavirus hit, uh, that put a wrench in all of that. Um, so I wasn't actually working on anything at the time. Um, I was interviewing a lot, but I didn't uh, commit to anything. Excellent. Excellent. So how has quarantine been for you um, in light of the uh, social unrest as well as the, um, you know, social distancing? How, you know, how how was the industry? If you're a DP in 2020, African-American that has uh, some pretty sizable credits on your list here. Um, how was that changed, if anything, in the last 90 to 120 days? Um, it, it was cool. Like, I mean, you know, just normally in my life, I'm pretty introverted. <laughs> so now, you know, the quarantine kind of gave me a reason to, uh, <laughs> to just stay at home without, uh, anybody judging me for it. Um, so, you know, that, that, right. that's been good. So I've been like, you know, I've been in my element a little bit. I've been doing a lot of, um, of just, you know, just like research myself, you know, just trying to like catch up on all the technical advancements in film. And then, um, you know, taking time to like watch a lot of TV and movies and stuff and just try to exercise, you know, keep exercising that part of my brain. Yes. Um, been doing a lot of um, getting back into a lot of photography. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, you know, just quarantine in general has been fine. I actually, uh, I uh, started dating someone recently. So, you know, oh, nice. just, that's yeah. a good idea for quarantine, brother. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, just personally, you know, it's all it's been all great. So yeah, that no, actually I, I, allows that time. Work. Yeah, that yeah. normally you know you're on a set somewhere, man. You know, for months and yeah. days at a time. Yeah. So yeah. that part of your life gets to get. That's great, man. Um, yeah. All right, great. So for you, I guess, um, what do you think? You know, when you're a cinematographer, you came up uh, out of Howard. Did you go to a film school after that? What was your path to kind of? Did you, I know you went through Grip and Electric, it looks like. Uh, how was your path to kind of get uh, to where you currently are in a nutshell? Um, yeah, so I, I went to, to Howard University for uh, film production specifically. Um, I also wanted to be an actor originally. Like, I wanted to be sort of like a director-actor. Um, 
but then I just when I was at Howard I sort of fell in love with uh with cinematography and decided that I wanted to focus on that exclusively um and then I applied to grad school at the American Film Institute in Hollywood sure and was fortunate enough to get in there and moved to LA and uh you know, went through that program, you know, which is pretty intense. And then after that, I just started working. Um, I didn't really come up through Grip and Electric. I, I helped out a lot of friends. Um, nice. But I didn't really, like, take it very seriously, you know, like, like really made that a career. Um, okay, so when you leave AFI, is there, like, a, did you start doing the you went operator route, or did you go right into shooting uh, cinematographer based off of your... Uh... Your um, grad school uh, um, skill set. Yeah, I just I just sort of went right into shooting. Um, Excellent. I like I did a few shorts right after um, graduating, and then I was fortunate enough to to shoot my first feature the September after graduation, so a few months after. Nice. Um, and then from there, you know, it was a slow but steady progression um, up to where I'm at now. And then, you know, like I, I, you know, I crewed a little bit here. I, I, like I was gaffer on a feature um, for a friend of mine and uh, operated a little bit for other friends. Um, yeah. But other than that, it was really just mostly shooting. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so as you are in your current career, man, as you think back and this constantly changes, man, are you in this for creativity or? You enjoy the money or the work environment? If you had to rank those three, <laughs> creativity, money, or work environment. Um, and that changes as you go. So, no, totally. You, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Creativity first. Like the money is the very last thing because, you know, for anyone that's familiar with the business, um, the money can go really fast. Um, so, you know, and, and because we're all freelance, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, so there are times where, you know, I wasn't getting paid for anything and then times where I was getting paid pretty well. And so if it was just about the money, you know, I probably wouldn't be doing this. I'd be doing something a little bit more um, uh, set and definitive. But, um, you know, when the money's good, the money's good. Um, but the most important thing for me is just I just love movies and storytelling. Um, and so that's the number one thing. And then, you know, work environment is great too. Like it's, you know, I'm, I was, uh, fortunate to be able to travel a lot, you know, shooting. So, you know, I've been to many different countries just shooting and stuff. So that's always a lot of fun. Um, so that's a big plus. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely the first thing is just, you know, the love of storytelling and being able to create with other people. Great. That's Creativity. Uh, work environment because of the traveling and the different locales and um, and then the money's last great so yeah um, have you I don't know if you worked on different things uh, music video commercial you've done shorts mm -hmm. TV film if you had to rank your order of preference if I gave mm -hmm. you a call say Richard you know you got four calls today one was a TV show one was a film one was a commercial one was a music video if you had to rank those and why, how would you, what's your order of preference for taking what job? Um, well, uh, I, I would say the first priority would be um, 
the story. Um, mm. But like, you know, just not, not thinking of that, um, just TV, film, commercial music video, just in general. Um, I probably would lean toward film. And the reason why is because there's a little bit more of a singular vision when it comes to shooting a film. Um, you know, normally it's the fully the director's medium. Um, and when it comes to TV, and although I love TV as well, too, um, TV has its own strengths. Um, it is a little bit more of a committee, you know, in regards to, um, you know, you have a showrunner, but then you also have, you know, directors for each episode, but then the directors change. And then you have the studio that has its opinions and things like that. And the network that has its opinions. Um, so it's, you know, it's just a little bit more of a committee than shooting a film. And I'm sure that there are, um, certain times and certain TV shows where that's a bit different, but I know for the most part, especially with my experience, it's a little bit more of a committee, um, which is interesting in, in its own sense. Um, but I would say if I had to choose between all three of them, it probably would be film and I'm not fully experienced in commercials i've done a few um and i've done a lot of music videos as well too um and th they're all a lot of fun but i would say film is probably the top one okay so yeah. film and then tv mm -hmm. um if you um you know what makes you take a job you mentioned uh priority is story mm -hmm. um what kind of stories say, okay, I got to do this? Is there anything genre or story that pops on the screen or the script? Uh, not fully, because um, one of the things that I enjoy doing is is constantly changing things up. I get bored easily. And so, you know, if I, if I do, you know, two thrillers back to back, maybe I'd be interested in the comedy. Um, so, you know, genre is a little less important, even though, you know, there are cool things about doing like a horror movie, for example, um, because you do get to be a little bit more visually manipulative in a genre like that. Um, but I love all genre. So for me, it really is just whether or not the story speaks to me um, and speaks to my uh, my state of mind at the time. Um, so it really depends. Um, a lot of it also has to do with like the people behind it as well. Um, maybe there's a director or an actor or, you know, a different crew member that I'm really excited about. Um, also, maybe, you know, I really like challenges as well. So if there's something that seems really challenging, um, I'm into that as well, too. So, yeah, so it's, it, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint um, one factor like a lot of it is is a lot of times like multiple things building to create something that i'm i'd be really interested in so excellent yep that's that's actually yeah i i can sense that uh when you mentioned you get bored easily that that also equates to liking challenges right right, right. Yeah. yeah 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 so i i, I definitely like i don't i don't know one of my biggest fears is to get stagnant um and i want to keep growing and keep doing things different so great um talk about a job that you might have passed on and regret not taking is there one that you might have passed on that you regret not taking or 
uh, other side of that coin as a job that you might have took and you said, eh, right, that you kind of regret taking. There's right. such a thing. Yeah. Yeah, there is such a thing. Um, I don't want to say what the job is, but I sure. um, I did a job where I shot in uh, Detroit um, during like the worst winter ever out there in Detroit. Sure. And the whole thing was outside because, um, <laughs> you know, like the whole reason why they went there is for the snow and all that. And, uh, you know, everything about the job was not enjoyable. So it it wasn't just the snow and all that, but it was also the, you know, the people I was working with, the, um, the story wasn't all that interesting. Um, you know, it was a job that I mostly took for the money, um, because of, you know, where I was at the time in my life. Um, but it is something that, you know, that job is not on my resume or on my IMDb or anything like that. Um, so that was something, you know, that was like, I look back on it and I was like, wow, was it really worth the small paycheck that, <laughs> that I was able to get? Like, yeah, maybe I was able to, you know, pay my rent for a couple months, but um, maybe it would have been worth it just to stay at home and watch Game of Thrones all day. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's something that I uh, wish that I um, didn't take. Um, and in terms of jobs that I wish I did take, um, that's a little harder because, you know, like I, I try not to look back and dwell on those things. Um, but I will say this though, I did, uh, miss out on shooting the trailer for, uh, Dear White People, the movie. Hmm. Um, you know, I didn't even, cause I, I had, had a job that was going on around the same time that they wanted to shoot. Um, and so I said, I couldn't do it, but I felt like looking back on it, I felt like I should have at least met with the director because once I saw the movie, um, it was something exactly like what I wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, I just wish that, and, and from then it actually like taught me a valuable lesson, like just take any meetings. You don't have to agree to do it, but from now on, from after, since then, I've been just like, anytime someone wants to meet and talk about something, I'll meet and talk about something. Um, nice. Yeah, because, you know, you never know what that relationship could lead to, even if I didn't do that project. Um, it could have led to something else. And... Uh, yeah, so I think that was, and you know, it, I didn't turn down shooting the movie, but I did turn down shooting the trailer, and who knows what that would have um, led to, or it could have led to nothing. You know, you never know. But, um, but it did teach me a valuable lesson, though. So I appreciate it for that. Keep our doors open. Exactly. Yep. Excellent. Um, so, what project do you think was the most rewarding in your career up to this point? And what was the most challenging and why? Hmm, yeah. Maybe um, the Detroit one was the challenging one, or maybe not. Uh, no, it, it wasn't actually. I mean, you know, the Detroit okay. one was challenging in regards to the fact I just didn't want to be there. But gotcha. probably the most challenging one was probably one of the Tyler Perry ones. I think Acrimony, probably. Yeah. Um, just because uh, his style of shooting um, is so intense and so intensive. 
um, that it was just, it's always a challenge just to keep up with him. Um, you know, he's very demanding and very, works very, very fast. So we shot Acrimony in about eight days, um, which at the time was long for him. Um, <laughs> we, we did, like, right before that, we had done Medea Halloween, and we shot that for, like, five and a half days. Um, so for him, he came to me, and he was like, hey, Richard, um, we're going to do Acrimony, and I really want it to be a little bit more cinematic. Um, so, I'm gonna, you know, we're going to have a little bit more time. We're going to shoot for eight days. <laughs> and at first, I thought he was going to say, like, 20 days, but nope, it was eight. Um, wow. So just, you know, keeping up with his pace um, while trying to make something really visually impactful was, was a challenge. Um, yeah, that was definitely the biggest challenge. But then uh, probably the most rewarding is probably P-Valley because I really, really um, was proud of that project. I was really excited about it, and it really spoke to me. Uh, just on a personal level, um, but also just creatively too. It was uh, it was one of my most creatively fulfilling things that I've done. So that's probably the most rewarding. Uh, that's a, that's a gold nugget there. So before I go deeper into the creativity of P Valley, just for our listeners, um, describe what that eight days of shooting a feature film is like an Tyler Perry thing. Yeah. Um, what is that? He just, the, I don't, yeah, just make that plan for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. He has, he has a, a system that he likes using that's, which is, you know, pretty brilliant in regards to, um, in regards to like shooting fast, but he shoots with uh, usually three cameras. This one was four cameras on Acrimony. Um, he normally has two of them on Steadicams permanently. And he doesn't like to cut while he's doing a scene. So, you know, he'll shoot, he'll shoot a wide shot and then he'll take the time to, without cutting, to move the cameras to get the different shots that he wants. And he just bangs it all out in like one big, huge take. It's like a big 30 minute take. Um, and, you know, it can be pretty intense for the actors, but also, you know, intense for um, the department heads as well, like myself, because, you know, at that point, I need to be able to light 360 degrees because he might, you know, want to turn the camera this way or turn the camera that way. Um, but on Acrimony, I was able to, you know, talk to him about like focusing just on one direction so we could, you know, at least get a little bit of more modeled light on an actress like Taraji P. Henson. Um, so I was able to get him to, you know, just focus on one direction at times, which helped a lot. Um, but for the most part, the idea is to try to light in a way where I could quickly turn things off or turn things on and create the lighting that I want. Or I could easily just bring in like a light that's like handheld just to get light in the eyes. Um, but also lighting more from practicals and things like that as well. Um, yeah. So that's what it was. It was a lot of just keeping up with him and keeping up with his pace while trying to um, 
you know, create something with some, with some impact and some intent. And uh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of it is keeping more, having more equipment and more people um, to make up for the lost time. So I would have like multiple units of rigging crews doing things and leapfrogging so that we can, so everything is ready by the time we get there. Right. Yeah. So different stages. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot, it's intense. Um, but you know, he, he does it, he pulls it off and you know, the movies are successful. So. Excellent. Yeah. All right, so um, talk about the process of P-Valley, man. I mean, this is a new show that's on uh, Stars at this moment. Uh, the creative process, talk, take me back to the phone call or how you got on board all the way to first season rap, man. Talk us through that. Yeah, so I, I, I'd heard about, I'd heard talk of a project called uh, Pussy Valley because that's the original name is Pussy Valley. Um, right. And I got a... You know, I, I kept hearing about this project that was about to start. And, you know, the, the title intrigued me. And so I was like, well, what's this about? And I uh, gave my agent a call and I said, hey, I'm, you know, I heard there's this project shooting and, you know, I wanted to see if I could be involved. And my agent got me an interview. Um, and I did two interviews, one on Skype, one in person um, with the showrunner Katori Hall and the first episode director, Kareen Evans. Um, so, you know, did the interview, like, I, I think we all clicked. You know, I brought a lot of references and things like that and, you know, how I felt about the script. And, uh, yeah, just went from there. Um, an interesting thing about, you know, my first thoughts about the script was I read the synopsis and I read, like, the first few pages and I made up my mind that I didn't want to do it. Um, and then I thought to myself, I was like, why? I had to look at myself and say, why did I not want to do it? And I felt like I had, you know, even though I have the utmost respect for exotic dancers, I thought that just based on other things that I've seen like that, I thought that a show about exotic dancers wouldn't be good. Um, it just in my head, I thought it was going to be like, you know, yeah, uh, exploitative. Um, you know, I thought it was just going to be a mess. And, and then I thought to myself, why do I have that preconceived notion that a project that involves exotic dancers would be that? Um, and then so, I, you know, I finished the script and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and I thought to myself that that's even a stronger reason for me to do this because I'm sure there's so many people out there that probably feel the same way, um, evidenced by, you know, I've, I've read some um, comments and things like that that people have on, you know, like Facebook and Instagram when, you know, when they have trailers up and everything. And a lot of people are saying the same thing, like, oh, you know, we don't need any more of this. And, you know, this is, um, we don't need to show this image of black women um, dancing, showing skin and all that. And I was like, wow, like this it's it's even more important now that this state um because of that stigma that people have. Um and so, you know, because of that, I was like, I'm even more dead set on doing it because I don't you know, I was just bothered by the fact that I had that initial reaction as well. Um and so I just wanted to explore that and 
quench it. Um, and that was also one of the things, you know, especially once I met Katori and Karina, they were so dead set on getting away from the way that dancers are portrayed in film. Um, you know, a lot of times they're portrayed as um, set dressing or, um, you know, like arm candy or, you know, props and things like that. And I just wanted to get away from that. Um, and they wanted to do that too. And they, you know, they had a lot of questions for me because they were looking for a female cinematographer, you know, to basically stay away from the female gaze. I mean, to stay away from the male gaze. And they had a lot of questions for me about that. You know, how would I try not to, you know, have the male gaze in a project like this? Um, and I guess they liked my answer. Um, you know, I thought that one of the big things to do was to, to, treat, to treat it unapologetically and matter-of-factly. Because a lot of times, you know, strippers are in, you know, these projects and they're there for eye candy. Um, and that's essentially what the male gaze is, right? Is, you know, looking at them as props and eye candy. And one of the things that I wanted to do was treat it like, treat it just very matter-of-factly, just like, like they're at a job and they're using their tool to create art. You know, so the way I use my camera, they use their bodies to create art. And just shooting it like that and treating it like that, I thought was very important, where we shouldn't hide the fact that it's a sexualization. We shouldn't hide the fact that their bodies are being used, but we should treat it not as eye candy, but as a sport, you know, as art, where this is a tool um, and that's what they're using it as. And uh, yeah, I guess they they thought that I was on the same page. Um, and so I was brought on. Um, I was brought on to be, so I was one of two cinematographers. So, you know, as, you know, which, which is something that's popular these days is having two cinematographers rotating to maximize the creativity and the prep time. Um, so I shot with uh, Nancy Schreiber, ASC, um, very popular uh, cinematographer. Um, and one of the more iconic female cinematographers out there. She was one of the first ones doing it. And she shot the odd numbered episodes. So episode one, three, five, and seven. And I shot episodes two, four, six, and eight. Um, so she did the first episode and I did the finale. Um, yeah, we had a great time. Excellent. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so you touched on some great things there, man. Uh, first of all, who, uh, the crew is normally reflective of the director of photography. So there's Nancy, if she's the first one on, and she kind of assembling her, uh, uh, gaffer and a grip and all these teams that who's, how we accumulate in the crew. And where'd you guys shoot this? Uh, we shot it in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Um, sure. yeah. And she... Uh, although she was um, brought on first, she was only there for about a few days before I came on. Gotcha. Um, so she did have ideas for some crew, but we pretty much um, collaborated on that as well. So she she had ideas for the 
operators. Um, and she knew of a key grip that she wanted to work with, but she'd never worked with. Um, so we, we both met with the key grip and interviewed him. And we both met with a new gaffer and interviewed him. And um, we both brought on uh, the focus pullers. Um, there's a focus puller that I work with a lot. He was brought on as B camera and he brought in his uh, second AC. And um, yeah, and there was a first AC that she wanted, but I had worked with him twice before and totally signed off on it because he's amazing. Um, yeah, and that basically formed up the whole crew. Um, and you know, I like what you said about the, the crew being reflective of the DPs. And um, that was something that we were, very stringent on is was trying to be as inclusive as possible because you know you have a you have a you know female cinematographer and a black male cinematographer and so we wanted the crew to reflect that same diversity um so we had um our crew was like half women and um there was we you know we had a very diverse uh grip and electric department as well too um there was women in both those departments and uh black individuals as well um as well as people you know from other races and backgrounds and ethnicities and all that so it was awesome beautiful beautiful what um if you had to describe like the culture of that show or the vibe on set uh on a day-to-day episode to episode basis how would you describe it uh you know on your 10th, 12th, or 13th hour of shooting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is the vibe or the culture of that show? Just if you had to give it some words. Yeah, it was just like one big happy family. Um, okay. Yeah, we all totally got along. Um, a lot of people that were on our crew and, you know, in other departments constantly said that this was the best crew that they'd worked with. Um, it was just a lot of fun. Like, and I think a lot of that came from not only the showrunner Katori, but also the actors too. Like the actors were so positive and were so um, excited about the project that it sort of, um, you know, that energy basically made its way into everybody. So it was, it was great. Um, I had, I definitely had a blast. I know Nancy did too. Um, so it was, it was awesome. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the important things that we um, kept pushing, you know, to everyone that we uh, spoke to and interviewed was, you know, to be respectful of the situation because of the type of show that it is, you know, there is a lot of nudity. um, There is a lot of mature content and a lot of these ladies are bearing themselves, you know, figuratively and literally as well. And so we wanted to create a safe space for that soul bearing. Um, and so, we, you know, we wanted to make sure that everyone was completely respectful and, um, you know, as, especially during the more intimate scenes and stuff like that. Um, and that attitude also went through every department as well, too, even down to the extras, you know, like we, we vetted a bunch of the extras and we, you know, we had um, 
like a large group of people that we all felt were um, going to be extremely respectful during the intimate scenes. And so we used them when, you know, when they had to interact with actors that were nude and all that. Um, so, but yeah, everyone was very, very respectful. Um, the actors, uh, I felt, felt comfortable. Um, and I hope that they did. Um, but it seemed like they did. But uh, yeah, everything was respectful and we all had a good time. Thanks, man. All right. Um, so let me ask you this. When you are um, deciding to take a job or, you know, between shows, uh, who are your like vet- veterans in the industry? I mm-hmm. call them your OGs. Uh, someone you have coffee with or exchange texts or emails. Um, you mentioned the agent, which is also crucial. Maybe it's a, someone that came before you. Maybe it's a mm-hmm. colleague you're working with now. Um, who are your OGs in the um, industry? There is, there's a guy that I, that, that I'm, there's a DP that I'm, I'm really good friends with. Um, his name is Jason Crothers. And I am constantly talking to him for advice and um and just you know, just to get a get a DP's perspective on a lot of stuff because you know we're all cinematographers, we we can get pretty um, isolated from each other, you know, because I don't really work on any other sets right. other than the ones that I'm a cinematographer on, so I don't really get to see other people work, I don't really get to talk to other cinematographers, and so you know we're both sort of in the same place in you know in our careers. So I like to talk to him about stuff. Um, there's definitely an OG in the industry right now, um, Johnny Simmons, ASC. And he's, uh, he's someone that I've recently, you know, been getting in touch with and, and talking to. Um, just, you know, as guidance, you know, just navigating the industry as, as a person of color, too. Um, and a cinematographer. Um, so he's definitely one of those people that I that I uh, talked to. So, and, and also uh, Nancy, who I worked with on P Valley, she's also someone that I've been getting some guidance from as well too, since then. So, yeah. Excellent. All right. Um, what kind of team are you looking for? Uh, as you're assembling a team, a crew, you mentioned working with some folks before, is that something that's higher on your list? Uh, a previous, um, working experience with someone else because yeah. you have kind of a shorthand or is it a word of mouth from someone else or maybe a reel or something you haven't seen? What kind of, as you're devising a team in a project, uh, yeah, I, mean, you I, you know, I think, you know, I think everyone sort of feels like they would prefer, you know, the people that they worked with before, um, you know, just because of familiarity. Um, because, you know, the, the top priority to me is you know, having someone that I would enjoy just being with on set for 14 hours a day um, for five months, you know, um, I would actually say that's probably the most important thing, um, you know, just because it's like I, I just won't be able to function. You know, I want people that are going to bring out the best in me and my best comes from comfort and, uh, you know, and also from support. So I think that, you know, I'm always looking for people that I've worked with before, but also uh, word of mouth is big because um, there are people that I 
trust that, you know, when they say, oh, you should work with this person, you know, I'm, I'm there. Um, and, you know, I also, I like to work with people who, I, I like to work with crews who, you know, represent the world that I see every day, you know? So I, I try to be as inclusive and, and diverse when it comes to my hiring. Um, you know, some some projects more than others just based on, you know, situations. You know, sometimes there are people that I want to work with and they're not available. Um, or, you know, maybe the money is too low or something. And uh, or the schedules just don't work out. So, you know, that can throw a wrench into things. But I'm always open to meeting new people and working with new people and everything. And, um, yeah, I've been getting interested in, like, mentoring as well, too. So, you know, I try to I, – I don't have a problem working with people who, uh, you know, have just, you know, a little bit less experience or something like that. Um, but the most important thing is to just get someone who I just enjoy being around. Um, it, it really is as simple as that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how I make my decisions. And, of course, people who are talented, too, yeah. you know. Um, that's definitely important because I always like to work with people who, who know more than me and who are better than me in the job that they're working on, you know, um, because I like to learn as well. So it's like, I want to work with people who, who can teach me something and who can, who can add something to what I'm trying to do. Um, there's a, there's a gaffer that I've been working with recently. I met him on P Valley actually. And he, he truly does like make my work better just based on his decisions and his guidance. Um, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah excellent. Uh, gaffer and a key grip, uh, oh, saves yeah. time and money yep. and decision-making. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's uh, yeah because then i don't have to worry there, about you know i can just say like hey a great example is that same gaffer worked with me on season two of american soul and there were times when you know i would just send him the link to you know the pointer sisters performance <laughs> you know on on uh, you know from 1975 and i would say hey so this is what we should just recreate this let's let's use this as a starting point and then I would just like forget about it and focus on other things. Um, and then I would walk in on the day and he'll be ready. And it looks exactly like what I wanted. Um, and I didn't have to right. remind him or like there were times when he would remind me of things that, that I wanted that I completely forgot about. So, um, yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm looking for that in someone, you know, in, in crew as well, too, is just people who will just have my back and support me that way. Yeah, that's a crucial, you know, me being an AD, the, the rigging gaffers, yep. getting those notes and then getting them from the gaffers, that's that's yeah. crucial information and that technology has helped with that. Um, so I'm glad you referenced that because, uh, you know, you're dealing mm -hmm. with period pieces as well. Um, so that ability to communicate both ways, uh, they have questions on the middle of a set and they, you know, kind of gather their notes based off of, the restrictions are uh, right. you know, of that area and come back to you right. and vice versa. Right. So that's money. Yeah, that's great, man. Um, this part of the section is I call, uh, this might offend my political <laughs> connects. Yeah. So 
without saying names, or maybe you can. I mean, you tell me, uh, as you've been in the industry, you know, about mm-hmm. 15 years now, um, what is overrated? You know, what or who is overrated? What or who is underrated? And what or right, who is right. properly rated? Wow, this is, right. those are good questions, you know? man. Um, I'm, I might have to take a second. Um, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't want yeah, to name yeah. names for people who's overrated. <laughs> Yeah, no, but not, no, you don't have to name I, I, no. I could name projects probably. Um, you can name whatever you want, yeah. You know, as you think back over, you know, folks have named everything from social media to certain departments to certain uh, um, crew people. Uh, you know, um, someone said an onset dresser one time, someone said a certain directing <laughs> team. You know, so it's as you kind of think of it, 30,000 feet. Someone who's overrated or properly rated or right, right, uh, underrated. Ooh, you know what? You actually, you know, by you talking about crew, I, I've always thought this. I've always thought that the two most underrated crew people on set were um, uh, script supervisors and yes. a location team. Um, yeah. yeah, like. A location can make or break your entire day, and I'm sure you know as an AD, like man, like with a with a bad location, it could add so much more time yeah. than than it needs. Um, and I think that for some reason, like you know, they just don't get the love that they deserve. Um, and Richard, it's funny yeah. you just said. That. I don't yeah, want yeah. don't hold you because I just got off with a uh, Allison look, Taylor who was. She's been in the game a long time, and uh, she's, you know, look her up, brother. She's she won several awards, and she says, we don't get any <laughs> yeah. respect, right? And she, she, you know, and she's an auntie of mine, but she, straight out of Compton to Insecure to all these different things she's done, and and she constantly is like, you know, they just... But yes, no, go ahead. It's, it's true, though. Like, they deserve a lot more respect than they get. Because, um, like, especially the fact that you know, not only, um, and I'm not saying they're tr- just treated terribly just in general on set, but um, I just don't think, I think it's a bit thankless, you know? And and not only is it a thankless job, but also they have to deal with, every day they have to deal with people who aren't in the industry and have no investment at all in whatever project you're doing. And you're having to deal with them about, you know, using their um, property or dealing with neighborhoods to let them know that you're shooting, you know, and people don't care, you know, they might get hung up on, they might get doors slammed in their faces, they might get, you know, swindled. Um, That's a lot, you know, like the people I have to deal with are people who are already invested in the project, like crew people, directors, actors. Um, So it's easy to talk to people like that. But with them, that's... That's a hard job. That is something that I couldn't do successfully. And, you know, the really good ones, um, yeah, more power to them. Same thing with script supervisors, man. Like, you know, I, I've yeah. seen so many directors not pay attention to um, the timings that script supervisors make, you know, when they time out certain scenes and how long they should be and everything. Um, and, I, man, I could you know, I could count on both my hands, um, you know, like the amount of times that, that, you know, 
a, dir- a director and I would be trying to design a oneer, you know, like a, a single take steady cam shot or something like that. And then it gets chopped up in the editing because we didn't pay attention to what the script was saying. Like this can only be 45 seconds. Um, so things like that, like a good script supervisor can really help you um, with the stuff that you can overlook. Um, and that stuff is important. And I, I've, I've seen DPs, I've seen directors just not just write off what the script supervisor is trying to tell them. Um, and yeah, like they're there for a reason, you know? Um, and I have much respect for them, especially the good ones. Um, yeah. Let's see something that's overrated. Oh man. Um, I don't think there's any, uh, I don't think there's any position on set that's overrated at all. Um, but I do think that, man, there's a lot of stuff that's overrated. Oh, you know what I think is overrated, actually? <laughs> I think Instagram is overrated. Um, uh, yeah. You know, I, people may hate me for saying it, but, you know, and people may think that I'm old school for saying this, but I actually prefer, like, Facebook over Instagram. And that, maybe that's where it's coming from a, from a photographer, cinematographer. But I don't know. I just like the fact that... Uh, that Facebook can do everything, you know what I mean? Um, video and photos and statuses and polls. And, you know, you could even write an article and put it up there. Um, now I do think that Facebook has its own problems in regards to privacy and, um, you know, on the political side of things as well. But aside from that, just in terms of usability, I actually like Facebook better. Um, Instagram takes a little bit of, uh, of, 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 you know, brain work on my part, but, um, and although I like it, I do think it's, um, people hold it to the standard that I think is just a bit overrated. Um, I'm sorry if I offended someone saying that, but, um, well, yeah, yeah. And, uh, what else? Let me think of something else that's overrated, man. Um, I think that you know what I never understood um, the love for the very first Avengers movie. <laughs> so mm. people like were going head over heels over that thing, and I thought that it was one of the most overrated things I've ever seen. I thought it was absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> I wish I could think of something a little bit more recent, but but I keep I constantly get into arguments about that. Um, and I think that's pretty overrated. So, mm, properly rated. Properly rated. Let's see. Um, I think that. Uh, that's something that's properly rated. Hey, I think that COVID nineteen is properly rated. <laughs> Um, like no seriously I think I think it's um, I think it's just as dangerous yes. as everyone is saying it is um, I, I know that uh, there's a lot of um, it's, it's hard finding the right information sometimes like there's so much different information e- even from people that we should be trusting too you know from the CDC to the WHO right. um there's a lot of conflicting information, but just from the stuff that I can see, it's pretty dangerous. Um, 
And yeah. I definitely, you know, and, and the only reason I wanted to say that is because it seems like there are some people that feel like it's overrated. <laughs> and I just want to do my part in saying, like, you know, wear a mask when you go outside, bro. So, right. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crucial. Could you imagine doing P Valley uh, in the midst of this? <laughs> Jeez. You got the call from Katori and say, okay, so uh, Stars has gave us the thumbs up. Start shooting uh, first week of August. Um, you know, what do you even do in that point? I don't even want to start wrenching. I'm just thinking, yeah. like, okay. I mean, you know, man, I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, you, you got yeah. to take precautions, you know. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. definitely wearing a mask. And then, uh, you know, the cutting down on the amount of people on set and things like that, um, which I'm totally down for doing. I just don't know how that's going to affect um our productivity. So, right. but hey, is this is going to be a new normal? And and here's the thing too. Maybe, you know, I always try to look at the positive things. Maybe this will be a good thing, um, in regards to, you know, the amount of hours that we work, the pace that we're expected to to move at, um, things like that. Like maybe it's time to slow down a little bit, you know, and take stock of what we're doing, and um, and how we're working. And, you know, maybe we'll, we'll find a good middle ground. Cause I know that like, especially for me, um, for like prep time, there are a lot of unnecessary, like in-person things that happen <laughs> during prep time, I think. Um, right. Like there are a lot of like meetings that we have that could be done over email. Um, and, you know, although like, I like being around people and, you know, I'll, I'll come and hang out with the crew. And so I don't mind going to meetings and stuff, but I don't think that they're necessarily uh, <laughs> necessary. Um, so, you know, maybe that's something that's going to change a little bit. And um, maybe that'll cut down on, um, you know, paper that's printed and cut down on, you know, people's gas every day or something like that, you know? Um, and maybe we could have time to, maybe we'll be even more productive during prep because we don't have to sit in a bunch of meetings. Um, so, you know, who knows? So, yeah, I'm not sure. Man, yeah. it is. So that's that's a good. So you gave me overrated uh, Instagram. You mentioned the first Avengers, mm-hmm. properly rated COVID, mm-hmm. underrated uh, script supervisor, uh, and the locations Man. team. Um, I guess as you look on your own career, what's the strength that you want to work on, and something, uh, or a strength of yours, mm-hmm. and something that is uh, something you want to work on. I call it something you want to work on versus referring to right, it as right. a weakness. Um, yeah, I guess something I want to work on is um, <laughs> getting frustrated. Like, there are a lot of times yeah. you know, I, I do hold myself and other people to high standards and, you know, sometimes I can get frustrated when something isn't going the way that I expected it to when it comes to shooting a project um and you know that can manifest itself sometimes like it'll it, it, it's something that'll like you know bother me for the rest of the day and w- what i'd love to work on is just letting that stuff roll off um and just not get too frustrated about it um so that's definitely something i want to work on but uh i guess a strength um probably 
and it was funny that, that I just said that as a weakness, but, um, and this may sound like it's the same thing, but it's not, but I feel like I am pretty, I do work well, like pretty well under pressure. Um, and, you know, I have a pretty even head and everything. And, you know, the reason why I say this is different from letting frustrations get to me is because I don't out, outwardly show my frustrations too much. Um, but it is something that that boils up in me a little bit throughout the day. And sometimes it affects my decisions. Um, and so I think I can handle myself like in public pretty well. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of times people will compliment me on that is, you know, being able to hold up well under pressure and, and to be even keeled and laid back on set and never scream. But at the same time, it's like, I know how it's affecting me and my decisions. Um, so I just want to work on that just on a personal level. Um, yeah. Like I'll just let something bother me, you know, like let's say I make a mistake on set and you know, it's something that's literally going to, you know, I'll dream about it that evening, you know? I just want to be able to just let that stuff go. So, um, but I do think I, I, I am pretty laid back and collaborative on set. And uh, I think that's one of my strengths. Excellent. This has been money, man. Uh, my final question as we wrap it up, uh, we call it name and claim it. All right. Uh, where will you be career-wise 24 or 48 months 24 from now? 24 or 48 months from now. Um, I'll be yeah, in... I'll be a member of the American Society of Cinematographers, one of their youngest members, um, one of the handful of, of black cinematographers there. Um, you know, I'll be, and you know, it, and this may sound super simple, but this is a big thing for me, just be doing more and more projects that are um, the type of projects that I wanna be doing. Um, you know, stuff that's, uh, effective and important story-wise and challenging creatively uh creatively um that's what i'll be doing and just being comfortable doing it you know financially comfortable too so yeah excellent what um is there anyone that you want to work with before or in front or behind the camera that you haven't worked with yet anyone that's like man i, I would like to be on the next blank right, project right. or uh, i like the way so you know uh, is there anything that stands out? Let's see, I'd like to, um, man, I would, I would love to work with, uh, with either, um, Barry Jenkins or Ryan Kugler. I think those two brothers are, um, yeah. are, are very different stylistically, but in regards to their understanding of film and their passion for it, um, and their creativity, I'd love to work with them. Um, there's uh, a director, uh, Kerry Fukunaga, that I'd love to work with. Yep. Um, you know, he did first season of True Detective and uh, Beasts of No Nation. Um, and uh, he just did a, the James Bond movie um, that got pushed because of Corona. Uh, I think it's called No Time to Die, I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd love to work with, um, with them. Um, I... I know Ava DuVernay personally, but I've never worked with her before. Um, and, you know, I'd love to do that. Um, I think she, I have much respect for what she stands for um, in the industry, um, what she's done for uh, women and people of color in the industry. 
um, and I like the projects that she um, attaches herself to. And uh, yeah, I'd also like to do like, I'd love to do a Western. I'm a big fan of Westerns. Um, yeah. I've always wanted to do one. So I'd, I'd like to do one of those. Um, in terms of, oh, I'd also like to do a superhero movie because I'm a big comic book fan too. So I think doing something like that would be really cool. Um, and let's see, what else? Oh, uh, in front of the camera, you know who I've always wanted to work with? Um, and, you know, someone that maybe a lot of people wouldn't choose, but like, are you familiar with uh, Wendell Pierce, the actor? Wendell Pierce? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I work with I know really? Wendell. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and I know it's, it's not like he's some big star or something like that, but there's something about his on-screen presence that I think would be super cool to be a part of. Um, and I've always thought that, um, you know, ever since even seeing him in like Waiting to Exhale or The Wire. Um, yeah, he's someone that I've always wanted to to work with. Um, also, I think there's two actresses that I think um, I'd love to be able to light. Uh, and that's... Um, Charlize Theron, I think she, there's just something about her that, and I have a lot of respect for her as an actress. Um, and uh, Gugu Mbatha-Ra. Yeah. yeah, so I think she has uh, an on-screen presence and a face that I think would just, I would just love to just be able to like explore just how to light her, you know? Um, yeah, so I'd say those three actors I think would be would be great to work with. Fantastic. This has been uh, Richard VLA, man. Um, any last words to the film crew no family? Hang in there during coronavirus for sure. Um, you know, we'll all we'll go, we'll all get back to it. Um, I know I'm itching to get back, but uh, yeah, things seem to be starting back up a little bit. I know Tyler Perry is starting starting up doing his thing, so you know, it's a slow but steady process, and we'll um, we'll all make it. Um, and thank you for letting me be a part of this, too. This has been money, man. Uh, next time you're in L.A., we'll do some coffee or tea and, and discuss further, for man. Sure. Uh, I'm glad that Jason put us in contact. Shout out to Jason Hightower. Yep. Big up to Jason. My brother. Yep. Indeed, indeed. Uh, this is the Film Crew Love Podcast, where we discuss the labor of film love and the love of film labor. Until next time. Thanks, man.